0: This is a Coastal Community Church Podcast. Welcome to Coastal Sermons, a weekly podcast designed to inspire and instruct people in walking out their faith. These are recordings of our Sunday gatherings where we broadcast the weekly messages from our campus in beautiful Seaside, Berlin, Maryland. Find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or find our full video library on our YouTube channel at Coastal Community Church in Maryland. Well, the last couple of weeks, we've been in a sermon series entitled Deadly Deeds, and we've been looking at uh, what oftentimes historically is considered the seven deadly sins. And we said this, we said this is true for these seven, but, but really true for any sin, any sin that you may ever experience. We, we said this, we said that when we sin in that moment, what we're doing is we're choosing that sin, that moment, that we have awe for that more than we have awe or the fear of the Lord for, for a loving and holy God that we recognize that there's a God in heaven who's given everything to us. But, but in that moment, we said, I'd rather have that sin, that thing, than a relationship with God. Because we know this. We know that our sin separates us from God. Anytime we choose to sin, it separates us. And God doesn't move from us. We move from him. It's a lack of awe, a lack of fear of the things of God. Today, we're going to look at the sin of lust. Lust, defined, lust is defined this way it is a passion or overmastering desire or craving. In other words, it's a natural desire out of control. And there's all sorts of lusts there's lust for money, there's lust for power, there's lust for position, there's lust for fame. But oftentimes when we think of lust, we think of sexual lust. And that's what we're going to look at today. Sexual lust is this, is an uncontrolled sexual appetite. We say it's uncontrolled because this, uh, uh, our desire, our sexual desires are natural. I don't know how old you were when you went from the opposite sex has cooties to, oh, I like that. <laughs> but someplace there was a transformation that happened, Right? You may not even notice it. You went, ill, ooky, and then you go, ooh, I like that. That is natural. There's something inside of us that's drawn. But lust becomes when that when that natural desire goes out of control. That sexual appetite becomes a, 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 something that masters over us rather than us mastering it. That's what we're going to look at today. And this topic is especially challenging for this reason. We live in a world where sexual sins are more accessible and more acceptable than ever. There are things that used to be done behind curtains, both literally and figuratively, that now are mainstream, that are acceptable, that people go, eh, that's not big, that big of a deal, Uh, There's a mentality. People would say today that, uh, well, you can look as long as you don't touch. Or or what is lust hurting? It's just a fantasy in my mind. It's just something that I entertain. It's just something I look at. and, 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 And what's wrong with just looking at it And a little thought? It's not bad as long as I don't act upon it. So, the mentality of our culture. Uh, But Jesus' approach, uh, Jesus' words to us are are radically different than that of our culture. Say, what does it hurt if you look? Matthew chapter 5 says this these are the words of Jesus. He says, Whoever looks at a woman to desire her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So, according to God, lust is a big deal. And it's contrary to God's design for our sexuality. I want to share with you two. I'm sure there's more, but I want to share with you two problems with lust. The first one is this. Lust is pleasure without a promise. Uh, God designed sexuality to be a reflection of his image. So all of us are made in the image of God, and in the male, there's a part of his image that's placed there, and in the female, there's a part of his image that's placed there, and by his design, his design is that two would come together as one in a lifelong commitment to illustrate who he is to the world. But lust does not reflect that heart at all. Why? Because lust is selfish. It it makes uh, sex an end unto itself. See, sex designed, God's way, is, is a way for two people to say to each other, I belong completely and exclusively and permanently to you. It pulls body and soul together for wholeness and safety. Anything less than that says, I want your body, but I don't want all of you. And I want to give you my body, but I'm not willing to give all of me to you. I want the pleasure, but I don't want a promise. I don't want a commitment. I, 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 I don't want a covenant. Love is completely different. Uh, Love says, I promise to be committed to you. And I want to learn what it is to serve and to sacrifice for you, just as Christ serves and sacrifices for the church. It's not selfish. Uh, Love is life giving, where lust is always, always selfish. It's pleasure without a promise. The second thing that lust is is this. Lust is pleasure without a person. This is where pornography becomes such an issue. It doesn't connect the two committed people in God's image under covenant. It. It's solo sex. And again, it goes against God's design for us. It completely en- eliminates selfless service. And that's what makes it so appealing. Lust, pornography. There's no work involved. There's no service. There's no sacrifice. There's no caring for someone else above you. That person just becomes an image, a self, uh, a selfish drug. And there's no concern for their story. There's no concern of what's happened in their life to bring them to a place where where this is what they're doing. You go. I don't even think. I don't even think of them as a real person. Statistics tell us this, that one out of three people seek out porn monthly. One out of three. Of those, only half think that pornography is wrong. Most people in our culture just go, you yeah, what's the big deal? Only one out of three teenagers think that pornography is wrong. And there's been a trend over the last couple of years that pornography is not just a guy issue. Catch this, one in six Christian women struggle with the issue of pornography today. And if you need any motivation or any encouragement to have a conversation with your children, know this, that the largest consumers of pornography are between the ages of 12 and 24 years old. So young people. And our culture will tell us that there's nothing wrong with it. But in our hearts, we know what? We know that's wrong. We've always known it's wrong. And those who participate, they, they know the, the sexual conflict of simultaneously feeling the enjoyment, the exhilaration, and then shame. What happens over a period of time is we become, uh, uh, we tell ourselves this is no big deal. We tell ourselves everybody's struggling. We tell ourselves it's not hurting anyone. We dull the voice of the Holy Spirit to eventually we come to a place where our hearts become dull to God's voice. And you push God away long, 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 long enough, and eventually he's farther away than you'd ever imagined he would be. So the question for us this morning is how do we overcome this deadly sin of lust? Three points this morning. The first one is this, we run from hell. Now, our teaching team, when we were putting this sermon together, we, we wanted point number one to be run like hell, but we figured we would get emails about this. So we said we run from hell, but the point still stands. 1 Corinthians 6 says this, it says, well, one of the responsibilities that we have as followers of Christ, is says, to flee sexual immorality, that we are to run away we're supposed to resist, that we're supposed to fight any form of sexual desire outside of a biblical marriage. Supposed to run. We see a great example of this, practical example in in the Old Testament, the book of Genesis. You have the story of Joseph. Joseph, the Bible says, is a young, good-looking, well-built young man who's been put in Potiphar's household. And in Potiphar's household, he had a wife. Who noticed and wanted Joseph? Genesis 39, it says, she, keep, she kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her. And he kept out of her way as much as possible. But one day, however, no one else was around when he went to do his work. And here comes Potiphar's wife, and she grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, Come on, sleep with me. It says, But Joseph tore himself away left his cloak in her hand, and ran from the house. He fleed. Listen, in order for us to come to a place where we overcome the temptation of lust, is you're going to have to make a decision to flee. When that thought, when that image, when that opportunity arises, you're going to have to say, I need to get out of here. I need to bounce my eyes. I need to change my thought. I need to change the channel. I need to go take a walk. I, I, I need to uh, not be involved at this website, whatever it might be. I find it interesting that it says that Joseph tore himself away because we're going to see that same imagery take place in a moment. Go back to the words of Jesus. Jesus said this. He says, I tell you that when you look at a woman to desire her, you've already committed adultery with her. He says, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out. Tear it out. It, we, we see there that, that Joseph was torn. He tore himself away. I, I wonder there, we, we see he tore himself away physically, but I also wonder uh, emotionally, desire-wise, if he said, you know what, I'd really like to, but, but I can't, I gotta go. That they're part of the process of overcoming sexual temptations when it comes to the area of lust is going to be a tearing. It's going to be a, a, a painful process. Listen, if you could pull yourself away on your own, you would already. There are some of you, you've struggled with the area of pornography, the, the, the area of lust your entire life. This is something that started back way before you were married, way before you had kids, way before you're dating the person you're dating right now. Uh, your issue has nothing to do with them, and you know that. You go, this started when I was 13, 14, 15. This started in my buddy's backyard. This started in, in, uh, in, in my friend's house when we were looking. at. It. This started a long, long time ago, and there's been plenty of times where I thought I would stop, I would try to stop, but I haven't. There is going to be a tearing away. It's going to be a fight. It's not going to be easy. It's going to hurt. Colossians put it this way. Colossians 3, Paul says this, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, or evil desires. There is a killing that needs to take place. See, we can't pray God take away the desire because the desire is natural, right? Right? We say, God, take away the way that I, the inappropriate, sinful way that I respond to this desire. That needs to die. That needs to be dealt with. So we see Jesus says, tear it out. And then he says, throw it away. If we do not, scripture tells us that it will cost us. We want to believe the lie of the enemy that says, oh, I can just nibble enough. I'm not going to get caught here. I'll, I'll just get a taste. And, I, and I've gotten away with it before. It's like that hook with the worm on it. He said, I came, took a nibble, and I swam away. And I came, took a nibble, and I swam away. I came and took a nibble, and it didn't hurt anybody. Nobody found out. No harm, no foul. But eventually, we know what? If you nibble long enough, whoosh, Right? The Bible says that it will cost you. Even the nibble will cost you a loss of intimacy. It will cost you a loss of relationship. It will cost you that that closeness with someone. It will cost you that confidence with God. When we sin, it separates us. So it's a loss of God's design. It's it's giving into a counterfeit of something that God has that's more That's special. But eventually it says, not only do we lose God's design, but we lose eternity with Jesus. Look back at his words. He says, it's better to lose one of your members than your whole body thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. It's better to lose one of your members than to have your whole body go into hell. That these desires, unaddressed, unmastered, eventually come to a place, like we said earlier, that our hearts become callous, that our conscience, that, 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 that heeding to the voice of the Holy Spirit becomes so severed that we start to separate ourselves from God so much so that we forfeit eternity with him. Sexual lust left unaddressed leads to destruction in hell. Its pleasures are only temporal, but its consequences are eternal. So we run. We run from hell. The second thing we do is we run to help. Proverbs says this, the one who covers his transgressions will never prosper. Listen, covering it up doesn't work. That's what most of us have done our entire lives. We didn't tell people about this. You covered it up. He said, This isn't hurting anyone. Keep this a little secret. It's my dirty little secret. Scripture tells us this: that if you take that approach, you will not prosper. You will not move forward in your relationship with God and others. You will continue to settle for a counterfeit when God has something better, richer, more meaningful for you. He says, the one who covers his transgressions will not prosper, but catches, but whoever confesses them and forsakes them will find mercy. Friend, I'm pretty confident that if you were to go to someone a mentor, a fellow believer in Christ, someone in this church that you look up to and say, listen, this is an area that I'm struggling with, I can almost guarantee they will not raise their eyebrows in shock. They will probably go, I know exactly what you're talking about. I've been in the exact same challenge at some point in my life. But we think that we're the only ones to ever notice, to ever struggle to ever deal with these types of things. I'm pretty confident if you confess and forsake of those things, you will find mercy in Christian community. James 5 says this, confess your sins one to another. Go to someone Share with someone, this is an area that I struggle with because something amazing happens when when that which is in darkness is brought into the light. That's where healing and freedom and victory takes place. But as long as we leave it in a place of secrecy, then the enemy has his way with us. If you're in a dark place, a dark part One of the healing steps of this process is confessing your sins. Go to someone and tell them you're struggling. Ask them to pray with you. Ask them to come alongside and help you in your spiritual journey. And the Bible says what? That this is effective, that you will find mercy. You might be thinking, but run to who? Who can I run to? If I run to my parents, they're going to be mad. If I run to my spouse, they're not going to understand Listen, find a good friend, a brother or sister in the Lord, an accountability partner, a pastor, a support group, a counselor. And in that conversation, know that you're only as strong as you are honest. Just be honest. Today we live in a world where there's technology opportunities available to you. There's things like Covenant Eyes. There's things like Our Pact. There's a Christian support group in Salisbury called the Underground, where men come together, women come together, and they, they share their struggles of sexual sin. There's tools, there's conferences, there's uh, um, uh, uh, retreats where they, where, where they help people who are struggling with these types of things. Run to help. And third and finally, run to him run to God. Uh, the reason we run to God is twofold. The first one is this, the Bible says that when we run to God that God can help us so we don't mess up. You know, so much of our Christian life is on the defense. I mess up, I sin, I ask for forgiveness. I mess up, I sin, I ask for forgiveness. I mess up, I sin, I ask for forgiveness. But the Bible teaches us that there's also strength, there's victory that God could help us in advance. This is part of the sanctification process, What that we get to a place. See, all of us would love to pray a prayer and those desires would go away. But those desires are natural. So we can't just pray, God, take away this feeling. We go, and we can't just say, God just fix it. No. Oftentimes, in the sanctification process, what God is working over a period of time, molding us and making us in his image. But in that process, God gives us avenues for success, opportunities for victory. Look at 1 Corinthians. It says, the temptation in your life is no different from what others experience. You are not the only person struggling. It says, but God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Catch that last part. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out. That when you're about to respond in a way to those natural desires and in a way that would be unpleasing to him, that you run to him. The Bible says that God will give you a way out. Now, it'll be up to you to choose if you're going to use that way out or not. But he'll always, always, always give you a way. And in those times when you make the wrong decision, not only can he help you not mess up, but he can help you when you do mess up. First John 1 John 1.9 says, but if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. Listen, God wants to forgive you. The lie of the enemy would be this, that, you, that you're dirty, that you're a pervert, that you're in too deep, way too deep for God's grace to come and rescue you, for God's grace to reach you, Maybe you bought into the lie and I've tried, I've tried to lay this down. I've tried to surrender this to God. And and maybe I've showed success for, for a short period of time, but then here I am again. I just quit. I'm just tired of it. Listen, all of us fall short of God's glory. Everyone sins and everyone messes up. But when we cry out to God, God, forgive me of the lust of my heart. Forgive me and cleanse me from my sins. Help me not to stay in this any longer. God is faithful. He'll forgive you. That's what he's about. God is a redeeming God. Did you mess up? You get up. You say, God, I'm running towards you. Help me. Help me be sensitive to your voice again. Help me be sensitive that when my eyes see something that that I'm not supposed to dwell on, that my eyes will bounce. Help me when my mind gets locked into something that that just is so entertaining to me. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Four weeks ago, that would have hurt so bad. Mm -hmm. I thank God that I could sneeze without feeling like I got kicked in the chest. Mm -hmm. That you've become sensitive to God's voice again. And when he says, don't do that, don't look at that, don't think about that, don't behold that, don't long for that. Long for me, awe for me. That we would hear that check, that voice, that escape and say, okay, God, I'm going here. And when God gives us that exit, we flee. We find ourselves struggling. We reach out to others. Help me, help me, help me. And that no matter what, we run back to his grace. And we don't get knocked down and we don't stay down. We don't just go, okay, well, this is my plot in life. This is my Achilles heel. This is what I'll have to do. No, 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 no. God's grace still works. God's victory still works. God's freedom is still available to us. We don't stop fighting. With God's will over time, the desire doesn't go away, but we learn how to master that. Years ago, when I was just a young, young pastor, I talked with a gentleman, probably in his late 70s, and I said, I said can I ask you a question? I said, does your sexual desire ever go away? Does it ever diminish? He said, oh, yeah, yeah, son, it, it, it diminishes. I said, really? I said, when does that happen? He said, oh, man, when I was your age, it was like up here. And then he says, now like in my 70s, it's like right here. I'm like, great. He says great. He said, but over the years, I've learned. God has helped me. I've learned how to focus that. I've learned how to control that. That's our prayer. God, bring us to a place. Wouldn't make sense. Wouldn't be natural for him to just take the desire away. So God, help us to have nothing master over us. And that when the temptation comes, we say, God, I choose awe. I choose the fear of the Lord more than I choose this temporal pleasure. That's what would be pleasing to God. Heavenly Father, I thank you that it's your heart to give us freedom and victory and closeness to you. Forgive us, Lord God, for choosing so much less. In Christ's name we pray, amen. God bless you, church. Thanks for being here today.